Welcome to Two Pete's in a Podcast, where we will talk about child health from birth right away through to adolescence, dealing with issues of illness, development, and everything else that is of importance. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Two Pete's in a Podcast. I'm Michael Platten, and I have Simon Strawn with me. Good morning. Hello, everybody. And we thought that we would move a bit further back in the throat behind the tongue and talk about those two little glands we call the tonsils, where they are, what they do, why they're important, and also the infections that happen around them or affect them directly. So I think let's start off with anatomy, Simon. Agree? Yeah, so the tonsils, I mean, everybody has tonsils. I always laugh when I get told my child has tonsils. You know, that's correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone has tonsils. They are part of the gland system in the body, like lymph glands. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sit in the mouth. If you look into the, into the mouth and you look at that little tongue hanging down, we spoke about that, the M shape that you get at the back of the throat. So you get the two kind of pillars on either side at the back, kind of where the back of the tongue is. They hide behind those pillars. And in children, because they are so active, and they are so active because of all the infections children get, Right? Yeah. So we get lots of glands. Often you'll hear you'll feel glands in the back of your child's head or glands in the neck or sometimes in the groin. These are from constantly bumping, scratching, getting infections, and these glands activate because they are really one of the very first lines of of defense of the immune system, as are the tonsils. That's Mm -hmm. the point. So if you look into the back of a child's throat, it's really very common that you're going to see big tonsils. Mm -hmm. And I know we've spoken about this, about what is it, the normal size of a tonsil? Well, it depends on the age. But the important thing, Mike, you make the point all the time is, what is the normal size of the tonsil for your child? Yeah. So you take them. You look, I mean, look at the, look in the child's throat so you can get an idea. Mm. Yeah. So this is actually take two of this podcast. In <laughs> our previous one, uh, we had spoken about when is the best time to actually look in your child's mouth? And that is in the year or at the beginning of the year before you send them to school. Mm. Because then you have an idea of before they are sick, what they look like. And that's for the throat and for the tongue and for the mouth, everything. You just have a good look in there. And normally the best place or the best time to look is when they're crying. Unless they can open their mouth and trust but you Please enough. don't go and make them cry so that you can look in your, their mouth. Yeah, no pinchies. Just, yeah, just take the opportunity <laughs> if they happen to cry. <laughs> yes. And just, just have a look. Look at the color. Look at the contour. Look at the size. Because it's going to change throughout the year. Uh, otherwise, if your children are already in school, try to choose a point where they are well. Mm. And we say that because you need to identify what is normal before you can figure out what is abnormal. And not just the size. Eh? I mean, not yes, the size, but also the color. Yes. As I said, redness and yes, because if the, if the child is sick and crying and has a high fever when when the baby is child is ill, they're going to look red, mm. but it may not necessarily be, be infected. infected. Yes. And that's, that's, that's where we, we need to have a look because we have <laughs> a better idea of what's going on in terms of infections. So that's the anatomy. That's the appearance and when to look at them. Now, and they're not smooth. Oh, hell no. Tonsils no, aren't these two little beautifully smooth little bollikies that sit at the back there. <laughs> bollikies, two little balls. They are quite lumpy. Rugged. Quite lumpy. They can sometimes have little bits of food and stuff caught in the little, what are called crypts inside them. They can sometimes get, Hard little stones that sit in the crypt. And so they're you can, white. Yeah, so you can sometimes look in the throat and you can see these little white streaks or these little white dots, but the child is absolutely completely healthy. Well, 
that's because it's probably a bit of debris or a bit of one of these little stony things that collects here. It doesn't mean it's infected. Because mm. you have to look at the whole picture, not just the tonsils in isolation. So yeah. then tonsillitis, I mean, what is, how are they going to present with tonsillitis? I think that's important. Mm. I think we can talk then and then go into the causes. So, the, so tonsillitis presents with fever, number one. You're mm. not going to get a significant tonsillitis that needs treatment without a fever. Tonsillitis is painful. So you may, your child may not be of an age to tell you that the throat is sore. They may point to their neck mm. or they may say, my neck is sore. They may say, my head is sore. They may have a reduced appetite mm -hmm. because they're not able to swallow uh, because of the pain. They might get a bit of extra drooling from the yeah. mouth because it's difficult mm -hmm. for them to swallow. Uh, they may gag a little bit more easily. As well as they might be a bit more nauseous, may have vomiting. If you take it, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and then there's also referred pain where they can actually get a neck spasm because of the tonsils. Yes. And they come in with their head to the side because they can't move it because the tonsils are causing so much local inflammation that they... I saw that child the other two weeks ago, remember? Yes, yeah. And he went to theatre. He, yeah, he had a very bad complication mm. of tonsils, but he came in with a swollen neck and he literally couldn't move his neck. Yeah, so what happened with him is that the tonsil actually became an abscess and it ran back and yeah. down into his, the muscles. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's fine. <laughs> so that, that was fever, pain... Swelling, loss of appetite, drooling. The other important thing is what, what generally don't you get with tonsillitis? So why are we saying this is that when you get these upper respiratory colds and coughs and snotty noses that might have a bit of a fever very often in winter, uh, and when you look into that child's throat, the tonsils will almost always look slightly larger than they normally do. Mm. And because there's so much inflammation going on and so much post-nasal drip and so much swallowing, that whole area would look a little redder. Yeah. But in true tonsillitis, you seldom get a snotty, mucousy nose with coughing mm. because it's lim the, the infection is limited to the tonsil. So it's more pain and sore throat and the things we've mentioned rather than snotty, congested. Mm, because in this case, it's... Tonsil pain minus, <laughs> yeah, not yeah. tonsil pain plus. That's important because the the whole common cold upper respiratory infection thing we know is viral. I mean, we've understand mm. that we've spoken about that so much. So what it means then is that if the tonsils are a little large, even if they are infected, it is almost certainly a virus. And that leads into the next thing, where in children under two, in about seventy percent of cases, tonsillitis is viral. And that we can actually extend out even to three to five years. Yeah. But there are, or the main concern, okay, there are lots of viruses that can affect the, uh, the tonsils, but then we have a look at the rest of the body and see what else is going on because the virus doesn't only affect the tonsils normally. It does affect other stuff. The important thing to know about tonsillitis is whether it is something called strep throat or group A streptococcus induced tonsillitis. Which is a bacteria. It's a bacteria. And that requires antibiotics. Now, how we differentiate the two is like some, as you said, you get an infection just in the tonsils and nowhere else. Mm. But it is a severe acute infection that causes a very high fever, uh, drooling, pain, inability to swallow. And there very are very red tonsils, sometimes yellow stuff on it, mm. little, little red blood spots around that little uvula and on your soft palate. Even in that situation, you don't always absolutely know that it's a strep. Yeah. But in those situations, we are much more heightened to the fact that it might be a strep. So you can prove it's a strep 
by doing a swab of the throat and sending it to the lab. Mm. But the point is, if it's a strep, why does it absolutely need an antibiotic? So it's because of the long-term effects. Correct. Yeah. Bad news. Bad news. Like 10 years down the line. Well, even, even the, I mean, let's just take a step back. I mean, let's just think about if you get a strep throat and you don't treat it, that is very often when you get those abscesses mm. in the tonsil and, the, and it extends backwards into the soft tissue of the posterior aspect or the back of the throat. And you get swellings and abscesses and it's mm. really… And it starts occluding your airway, can't yes. breathe nicely, yeah. get muscles in spasm. Yeah. So that's the acute thing. Uh, I think we should just unpack the symptoms of scarlet fever. Yeah. That's, that's part of this before we go into the long-term things. Mm. So the initial thing is scarlet fever. And that is a more pervasive, meaning all over the body, of effects of this bacteria where you can get a strawberry tongue. So a tongue that's red and has little white dots on it and looks like a strawberry. We call it circumoral pallor, so paleness around the mouth. Mm. And... Then also a sandpaper like rash of the whole body. Anything else you want to add with that? No, I, I, think, I think that's it for scarlet fever. Yeah, and, look, and a fever. Yeah, fever. <laughs> and look, the other thing about the rash is yes, it's sandpapery, but it's scarlet. Mm. It's like it's properly dense. red. Yeah. Properly red. And you have the child with this kind of spared area around the mouth and they're sick and they're sick with high mm. fevers. And that's uh, from group A strip. But just, just not panic about it. I mean, I know scarlet fevers has a bad knock. Uh, but that really was in the days when we didn't have antibiotics. Mm. Uh, the most important thing about strep is to think about it and then to treat it. Because mm. in the main, they are still very, very sensitive to very basic antibiotics. Yeah. And they respond very quickly. Well, th- but, let's, let's just clarify that just for yeah. absolute clarity. We're talking about penicillin based antibiotics or cephalosporin-based yes. antibiotics. Yes. If you're a penicillin allergic or cephalosporin allergic, there are other options. That do also work. But that, yeah, but those should be first-line penicillins. Yeah. And if we have a diagnosis of strep throat, we need to be treating for a minimum of 10 days. Correct. And that's oral or IV, but normally oral should be sufficient because it works so well. I think that's for treatment. Obviously, pain... Pain medicine, yeah, fever so ju- medicine. So just, just to unpack a little bit, we don't want to get into the detail of the serious long-term effects, but this group A strep, if not properly treated, it can lead to infections and immune system responses that cause damage to the kidneys. So you'll start weeing blood and getting high blood pressure. Coke-colored urine. Coke-colored urine. And it can cause rheumatic fever of the heart. But that is generally in untreated we see very, very little rheumatic fever now at all because mm-hmm. we use, because antibiotics are available. And in fact, I see a lot less of the kidney side effects than I expected I would. Mm. But I haven't seen lots of it over the years, but it's still there. And we always think about it and always check it out. Yeah. But I, I think that pretty much explains everything about tonsillitis that we wanted to say. Obviously, when to be concerned is if the tonsillitis is getting worse if you think that it's there, we need to see your child. If the, your child started an antibiotic because we thought it was group A strep and they're not responding, so fever for more than five days. Well, actually, if you start an antibiotic fever for more or three days or more, is we expect it to work within the first two days. Uh, if your child's not drinking, they're drooling too much. If they're lethargic, not waking up. Or, as always, if you are concerned. Yeah, and remember the group A strep causes tonsillitis, yes. It causes scarlet fever. But it does cause other things. Mm, it does. So it causes skin infections. And so if there's anything untoward, 
Now, when you when you make a diagnosis like this and it's a tonsillitis, we have a very clear expectation that when you give the antibiotic, for example, you've said that the child should get better very quickly. And for me, that's the most important thing is if the if your child is not following that very simple start the meds, get better, it needs to be seen. I think that's covered most of tonsillitis. So thanks for your time, everyone. So if your children have allowed you to, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you found this of value, please be sure to sign up to our email list at www.care4kids.co.za. And that's the numeral four. And subscribe in your favorite podcast app or follow us on Facebook. At Two Pete in a Podcast. At Two Pete in a Podcast. TWO, not the numerical two. This is our disclaimer. The information we have given you in this podcast is our own personal professional opinion. We're giving it to you for your own information. Please don't use it to treat yourself or to treat anybody else. Rather, go and see your own medical healthcare provider and follow their advice.